Well, each of us in some way is in ministry. And you might not think about that. You might, you might think that ministry is what I, what I do, and it is in some sense, but each of us is in and called to ministry. Ministry really just means to serve. It means we are serving in God's purposes, in, in God's ways, and you are in ministry. Some of you lead in our church, and you are serving people. You are serving in, in ministry. Some of you are members of the church and you serve on Sundays doing all the different aspects of the different things that we do from serving in kids to in our production area and setting up and greeting people and you are in ministry serving people. Parents, you are in ministry. You are serving your children. You are teaching your children. You're loving your children. You're helping to guide them in what God has called them to in their life. If you are in a community group or you're in an LTG, you are in ministry trying to help your friends to follow Jesus together. We are all in different ways if you are a Christian in ministry. And it's true in a variety of contexts, in a variety of ways. There's many different avenues that you are in ministry, but we are all in it and we're all called to it if you are a Christian. And in all the different ways we have, and I mentioned some of them, but in all the different ways and and aspects, it can be easy to get discouraged in ministry. It can be easy to not have the joy that we're designed to have, to get tired, to be burdened, to be all all sorts of different things, to to maybe give up. Maybe you are in ministry and just be, this is too hard. Uh, Things aren't going how I thought they would go and to just kind of tap out. It's easy to not start to begin with. If you're a Christian, you are called to ministry, but it is easy to say, that's just kind of too much. I don't want to do that. I I can have my own faith. I can read the Bible, believe things about God, but to actually engage in serving and helping others and helping people to follow Jesus, whether that's your kids or your friends or LTG or whatever it is, it can be like, ah, that's too much. I just need to kind of focus on myself and maybe not ever actually jump in, never actually engage, never get involved. It can be discouraging. And so sometimes we give up. Sometimes we don't start in ministry or do a particular thing, have that particular conversation or start discipling your kids and doing devotions together in some way or lead an LTG or sign up to serve in the church. We just kind of never do it. Or sometimes we are doing it, but it's discouraging in our attitude isn't what it should be. We're cynical, we're bitter, we're down, we're just kind of viewing everything negatively or burdensome. What if you could stay engaged in ministry? All the different, don't, I want to make sure you don't take that word and just think, only think like this, what's happening here, but all the different things that God calls us to in serving people, our friends, our families, in the church, yes, but what if you could stay engaged? What if you could have joy and do it joyfully? What if you could do it with endurance and be able to continue not just for a season of excitement, but your, your life, you were able to actually minister to other people and be engaged with other people for a lifetime? What if you could do it with humility? What if you could stay and be encouraged in the ministry that God gives to you? That is what God wants for you. That is what he wants to build into your life. He wants you to be in ministry and to do it encouraged for a lifetime. That's what he has for you in whatever particular avenue and various avenues that that might be. 
And so for some of us, you may be faithfully involved in ministry in various ways and need to be strengthened. God's going to give you that today. For some of us, we may not be engaged in the ways that God wants us to be, and we're missing a key part of what God wants to build into our life, and he will call you to that today. And for some of us, maybe it's just difficult, it's hard, and we need to be reminded of various truths that will help us. So the question for today is, how do we stay encouraged in the ministry that God has for us, whether that's parenting or it's friends or it's leading in the church or it's various serving ways in the church. How do we stay encouraged in the ministry that God has for us? And and what Paul's going to do in this section is he's going to tell us about his ministry, about the ministry that God gave to him. And And at the end of it, he's going to say to the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesians, he's going to say, so don't be discouraged. And he's saying that based on, here is my ministry. Here's some important things about my ministry. Here's what I remember, even in difficulty in my ministry. Therefore, don't be discouraged. And based on that, we can look at his life and the things that he remembered and the things that were true in his ministry to help us to stay encouraged. So let me read this section, and then we will go through and look at what we need to know to stay encouraged in our ministry. Here's what he says. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming you have heard about the administration of God's grace that he gave me for you, The mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then, I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. Here's what Paul gives us. He gives us this kind of mini kind of biographical, here's what my ministry is, so don't be discouraged. Which means we can look at and receive the same things and say, okay, what was it about Paul's ministry that was the basis of saying you don't need to be discouraged? What did he remember? What did he know that led him to engage in ministry and yet not be discouraged? It's what we need. What do we need to know to stay encouraged in our ministry? And I'm going to give you 38 things that we need to remember. No, I'm just kidding. I say that only so you don't get scared about the real number. I'm going to give you nine things that we need to know to, so that we stay in. See, that's how that's a little like speaker trick, that if I make it really big, then you're like, oh, that's crazy. But then nine doesn't sound so bad, you know? So what do we need to know to stay encouraged in our ministry? First thing is that ministry is dying 
to our self. Ministry is dying to self. Here's how Paul begins. He says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, he's a prisoner of Rome. He's a prisoner of the Roman Empire. He's not, Jesus doesn't have a little prison that he has that Paul's the prisoner of Jesus. He's a prisoner of the Roman Empire, but Paul says, I am a prisoner of Jesus. I'm a prisoner of him. And just think about that. I am Paul. I'm an apostle. I've written several letters, at this point, not, not complete, but I've written several letters of the New Testament. I've been commissioned by Jesus. Okay, Paul, where are you? I'm in prison. Paul knows that his ministry is dying to self. That ministry is dying to self. This is so important because if we think that ministry, serving other people, parenting, serving in church, leading in church, helping our friends, if we think that it's kind of about our own self-fulfillment. Now listen, sometimes people say this. They serve in some way, maybe a nonprofit or kind of something like that, and they say, oh, it's so fulfilling when I serve people this way. Right? Have you heard people say that? A lot of times it's celebrities on the news. They're like, oh, I'm so, it's so glad to give back. And, and man, it just fills me more than it, even what I'm doing. And there's truth in that. But if we view serving other people, ministering to other people, mainly as about our self-fulfillment, then we're actually going to miss out on what ministry is. Paul didn't view it that way. If we view ministry in ministering to others as God wants me to be happy, and that's kind of how I view ministry, then what will end up happening is we will not follow Jesus where he is leading us to. We won't follow him where he's leading us to. What we will do is evaluate the cost. What we will do is kind of size up. Is it worth it? Is it worth having that conversation with that friend? Is it worth generosity? Is it worth my time and serving? Is it worth the commitment? Is it worth what might happen in the relationship? Is it worth all of the energy that goes into it? We will constantly evaluate the cost of what might happen to us, what we might lose, what we might sacrifice, what we might miss out on if we engage in ministry to other people. But if we know that ministry is dying to self, then our perspective is different. What we know is, I am going to lose. I am going to die. That's what the call is. And so I'm not evaluating what am I going to lose? How much is it going to cost? Is it worth it? What might happen? I'm saying, ministry is dying to self. So I expect that when I follow Jesus, the man that was crucified, it's going to be hard. That's what Jesus said. Pick up your cross and daily follow me. He didn't say, come follow me. It's going to be really fulfilling. It's going to be really great. He said, come die and come with me. That's the call that Jesus gives to us. The pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that when Christ bids a man, he bids him come and die. That's true. So if we have a mentality that ministry is about my fulfillment, it's about my happiness, we're always going to be evaluating, and it will never match up. If you're trying to weigh the cost of, is it worth it for me to have this conversation? Is it worth my time? In our mind, from a worldly perspective, it's never going to match up. But if the expectation is ministry, serving other people, is dying to self, if that's what your expectation is, then you will know, yes, this is going to cost me. 
Yes, this is going to look like carrying a cross. Yes, this is going to look like crucifixion. That's what happened with Jesus, and he is the one that we follow. And if you don't get this, you'll always be looking for easy. You'll always be annoyed when things are challenging. You'll always be surprised when things are hard. Like, I don't understand. I I just wanted to disciple my kids. I just wanted to spend time reading the Bible with my kids. Why should it be so hard? I don't understand. I just wanted to join the LTG and have friends and be in community with people. Why is this so difficult? We will be surprised by things being hard instead of understanding that Paul says, I'm a prisoner. That didn't shock him. That didn't surprise him. He knew I'm following Jesus. Jesus ended up on a cross. And so I am Paul. I'm in prison. Yeah, that's a part of what this means to be in ministry. Didn't shock him. It didn't surprise him. The call is death. So let me ask you this. Have you ever said to Jesus, like literally, not metaphorically, have you ever actually had a conversation with Jesus and said to him, my life is yours. I totally surrender it. I am willing to be a prisoner. I understand what you meant when you said, come pick up your cross and follow me. I am willing to die to myself. I'm not trying to hang on. I'm not trying to evaluate everything. If you ever had a conversation and said, it's all yours. I surrender it all. I'm willing for my money to die to you. I'm willing for my time to die to you. I'm willing for what people think of me to die to you. I'm willing. It's, it's all yours. I surrender it. If you had a conversation where you really have brought your life and surrendered it to him, understanding with no conditions that the call into serving other people, to parenting, to ministry, to helping your friends, to engaging in the church, to serving, to leading, is a call to die to self. Paul, it was no big thing. And I don't mean that it's not hard. I don't mean it's not difficult. But he just is able to say without a bunch of whining, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, just goes right into it. That's the first thing. The second thing is that it is for others. Ministry is for others. Now, that might seem obvious. You might say, well, yeah, of course it's for other people. And yet, a lot of times, what we bring into serving others is actually it is for us. But Paul says... I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you. So the ministry I'm doing and and what my calling is in life, it is for you. It's on behalf of you. And God gave me this grace for you. God brought me into this. I am an apostle. I am a missionary. I am someone in ministry for you, on behalf of you. God assigned this to me for you. Parents, God gave you the job of parenting your kids for them. If you are serving in the church, God gave you that responsibility for the church, for others. If you're leading, God gave you that responsibility for others. If you're somebody's friend, God put you in their life for them. Ministry is for others. If we don't understand that, we always are looking for appreciation. I'm not saying it's bad to appreciate people. We should, but on the other end, on the receiving end, we got to think, what am I in this for? Am I looking for accolades? Am I looking for applause? Am I looking for people saying, good job, well done? Am Am I really frustrated and upset when I'm not noticed what I'm doing? 
Am I, am I upset when people, so let me give you a small example of something right now. Everybody sees me, right? You're all looking this way. Nobody sees the people up there in the booth. And if they were really upset about that, they, then they would be like, I'm, I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing this. No, I, I want people to know what, you don't even know what they look like. They're hideous. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no one even knows what they look like, right? But that's, they're serving and they're, they don't care about that, right? And if our mentality, if our heart is, I need to be seen. I need to be noticed. I need to be thanked. I need to be appreciated. Don't listen. Parents sometimes say this. Don't you know everything I've done for you? Okay, but yeah, that's why God gave you in their life is to be for them. That's why you have the ministry of being a parent is for them. But if we have the mentality, this is for me, I want to get something out of this, then we're always going to be kind of hypersensitive to we're not being acknowledged enough, we're not being thanked enough, we're not being appreciated enough. We're also going to, if it's for us, probably want to rush in, into positions where we get more recognition. Sometimes this is true of younger people that they want to rush into positions of leadership or positions that are more prominent because they want people to, to be able to say, wow, you're really talented or I really respect you or wow, good job. And sometimes we step further than what God is actually calling us into. Whereas Jesus says, be faithful with a little and then you can be faithful with much. And so if it's for us, we will often complain, we'll often feel slighted, we'll notice how much we've done and kind of measure how much other people have done. We might kind of keep a record or a tally. I served my friend here, but they didn't serve me. Okay, well then who was it for if it was just a transactional thing? I was there for them, they're not there for me. Well then who were you really there for? Our call is to serve. This is what God does for us, right? God serves us. He serves us freely. God, Jesus gives us this picture of him washing feet and saying that's what serving is like. That's what he did for us. Jesus says, I serve you. I am for you. This is what his heart is. And when he calls us to serve others, when he calls us to himself, he's bringing us on his team and he is a servant God. And so when we join his team, we're joining the servant team. It's for others. This can actually keep us encouraged in ministry because it allows us not to be so concerned if I'm being seen or not. Do you know how much freedom there is in that? If you can serve and not worry about if people are noticing, if you can serve and not worry about if you're being thanked, if you can serve and not worry about if it's reciprocated, you know how much freedom there is in that? Paul did. He was able to serve and say, it's for you. It's on behalf of you. Third, ministry is a gift. It's a gift. And these kind of all build on each other. But, but Paul says, I was made a servant there's that word again, of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. And then later says, this grace, the ministry that he is doing, this grace was given to me. He calls the ministry that he has a grace. And he says, it was God's grace that I've been able to minister to people. So Paul doesn't view it as a burden. 
He doesn't say, man, this is so hard. This is so challenging. This is so difficult, but I'll do it for Jesus. That's not how he views it. He says, this is a gift. It's God's grace to me that I get to be an apostle. It's God's grace to me that I get to serve other people. It's God's grace to me that I get to be in prison to serve people. It's God's grace that my, my kids and I were reading through uh, kind of a, a teen Bible that has some commentary on it. But I think it was 10,000 miles, they say, that Paul traveled on foot in non, you know, what's the, the like, terap- whatever the word is, like, you know, comfortable shoes in, in sandals right? He, he is traveling 10,000 miles in sandals, in dirt, in the Middle East, in the heat, you know? That's challenging. And he says, I mean, if that was you and me, we would at least be putting it on Instagram of like how holy we were, right? And Paul's like, no, this is, a, this is God's gift to me that I get to do this. This is a grace that I get to serve, Thank you, God. This it, we, we call grace. Like we look at the cross and say, that's God's grace, right? Something that's been done for me. Wow, God, you're so gracious. Thank you so much. Paul says, I get to walk 10,000 miles in my sandals. Thank you, God, so much. That's your grace. It's a gift. What if we had that mentality? Now, that's what Jesus says. We, we, if you're here in December, we always have a focus called Live to Give, where we talk about generosity, mainly financially, but we also talk about it as it comes to our time and serving based on Jesus saying it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Paul is saying. He says, I am giving so much. I am pouring my life out. I am giving so much. And it is such a blessing to me that I get to do that. Imagine the power of that if we believe that. If we said, oh man, this takes so much time to parent, ah, it's all grace. This takes so much money, it's all grace. Ah, these people don't like me when I kind of push in with this conversation, ah, it's all grace. Oh, it's really challenging to love hurting people, suffering people. No, it's all grace. Thank you, God, that I get to do this. Thank you that I get to serve on Sundays. Thank you that I get to show up early. Thank you that I get to help people in need. Thank you that I get to give my time. Thank you that I get to use my energy. Thank you that I get to sacrifice my weekend. Thank you that I get to sacrifice my evening. Thank you that I get to open up my home to people. God, thank you. What a grace. That is such a powerful mentality. And Paul is no stranger to pouring himself out for others. He's in prison saying, I'm here for you. Thank you, God. It's a grace that I get to do this for other people. So often, what gets us down or discouraged or quitting or not entering into ministry, into the areas of parenting that we should, into the friendship, into the areas in our friendships where we should, into serving in church like we should, so often the areas that keep us is, it's going to be so hard. Paul says, it's a gift. It's actually a grace to be involved to serve others because it's more blessed to give than to receive. This mentality gets rid of the feelings of burdenness that we have, and it gets rid of any self-righteousness of, oh, I'm so good that I'm doing this. I'm so noble that I am doing this, as if we are losing something by doing it, when Jesus is saying, you're gaining something by doing it. You are being blessed by doing it. It was... uh, 
the disciples that came to Jesus. The disciples came to Jesus. You maybe know the story of the rich young ruler, and Jesus tells him, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And the guy walks away sad because he couldn't do it. And then the disciples, I think it's Peter, because Peter's always the one with kind of the big mouth, and he, he says to Jesus, hey, look, we've given up everything we had, and we followed you. And Jesus says, that's awesome, dude. No, he doesn't say that. What, what Jesus says is, nobody that has, this is a paraphrase, but he says, nobody that's ever given things up and followed me, nobody has actually lost anything. It will be rewarded to them 10 times in this life and the life to come. No one's ever lost anything that's followed me. It's not some big noble thing you've done, Peter. See, Peter had this self-righteousness to go, oh yeah, the rich young ruler, he couldn't do it. But Jesus, look, we did it. And Jesus is saying, you haven't lost anything. You've actually gained everything in getting to be in ministry with me. You've gained everything to be with me in what I'm doing. And so we need to see that ministry is a gift. This will keep us encouraged in ministry because we will be able to keep going knowing this is actually a privilege. This is a grace. God is doing something for me. This is God's path of blessing to me. Then we're joyful in our suffering. Parents, imagine if you had, especially those of you with little kids, imagine if you had that perspective. This isn't, if I stop viewing this as so burdensome and then instead go, God, thank you that I get to do this. For those of you serving in all sorts of different ways, this is a powerful perspective that can help us. Then he also tells us that ministry is undeserved. He says about himself that this grace was given to me by the working of his power and that he is the least of all the saints. So he's saying, God didn't give me this ministry, this blessing to be involved with him because I am so amazing, because I'm so important, because I have lived such a great life, because I've done so many great things, because I'm so qualified, because he said, man, I, I really need you. He, I'm the least of all the saints, and he gave it to me by his power. Ministry is undeserved. It's not because we are so important it's not because we're so great, but it's because he chooses us. He says, yeah, you are the least. Yes, you don't deserve this. Yes, you are weak, but I am powerful, and I want you to follow me. I want you to help others. I want you to join in ministry with me. Here's how this can encourage us. First, it helps us not compare ourselves to other people. It's because if we think that ministry is kind of about us and our gifts and our qualifications and who we are and what we bring to the table, if that's how we view it, then a lot of times we're going to end up comparing ourselves to other people and go, why don't I have what they have? Why don't I get to do what they get to do? Because I have done this and I've done this and I think like this. and I. But now we're saying it's really based on me. Instead of being able to go, it's not deserved at all. God gives this person this thing. God gives this person this thing. Again, with the disciples, Peter, Jesus is talking to them after the resurrection. And he tells Peter, Peter says, hey, is it true that John, this is again paraphrased, but he says, is it true? And there was like a rumor kind of spreading. Is it true that John is not going to have to die for you? 
And because Jesus tells Peter, you're going to die for me. That's what's going to, that's what's going to happen in your life. And Peter's like, uh, what about John though? Is, is he going to be okay? Because that's not really fair. And then Jesus says to him, I'm giving him what I'm giving him. I'm giving you what I'm giving you. What's it to you? Why, it, it, it's nothing to you. His life is between him and me, and your life is between me and you. I'm giving him something. I'm giving you something, and it doesn't matter. And ministry is undeserved, which means we don't need to compare ourselves to other people and where they're at and what they're doing. We can say, it's all a gift, and none of it is deserved. And so I step into what he gives me, trusting his wisdom, trusting his love for me, trusting that he wants good for me. And so what he gives to me, the kids that he gives to me, it's for my good. The ministry he's given me with my family, the friends that he's put me around. Well, it'd be a lot easier if I had these friends. I would love to minister to those friends. My friends are messed up, Jesus. Can I minister to those friends? He said, no. I've given you the friends I've given you. I've given you the family I've given you. I've given you the church I've given you. It's all undeserved. We don't need to compare ourselves to other people. And it encourages us and helps us because it also means we don't need to dismiss ourselves and what God could do through us. Because it isn't, God doesn't give you ministry based on how much you deserve it. He gives you ministry based on his power which means you might look at certain situations and go, I could never do that. I could never have that conversation. I could never you know, walk with uh, this person that way. I could never disciple someone. I could never serve like that. I, I'm just this. I'm just that. I came from this background. I, came from, I could never do that. And he says, it's not, you, it's not about you. You don't deserve it. It's the working of his power, which means you could step into all sorts of things if that's what God has for you. And it's his power that will help you to minister to others. And then fifth, he says that ministry is revealed. Ministry is revealed. Here's what he says. The mystery was made known to me by revelation. And then later, it's now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And this mystery he's talking about is what we talked about last week, that the Gentiles are part of the family of God that the Gentiles, no longer Jew and Gentile separated, but God is making one new people together. But all of this, he's saying, it was revealed to me. It was revealed to me. He's not saying, I just invented this. I just came up with it. He's not saying, I just kind of created this sort of tailored ministry of mine. It's revealed. The content is revealed to him by God. It's now revealed to us through his word. That's what Paul says also. It's revealed. The Holy Spirit revealed it to the prophets and the apostles. That's what we, where we get the Bible from. And ministry is revealed means this, and here's how it encourages us. We don't have to understand all the different kind of trends in culture, we don't have to understand everything about everything. We don't have to be experts. Sometimes for you parents, you might think, man, I've got to be an expert in psychology, sociology, education, anthropology. Like, I've got to be an expert in order to parent these kids. I've got to be an expert in medicine. I've got to be an expert. Like, I've got to know everything. Sometimes in ministry, you might think the same thing. How could I help another friend in what they're struggling with? 
my friends struggling with sadness, they're struggling with anxiety. I'm not a counselor. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in those things. I, don't, I haven't Googled enough. I haven't lived enough. We can kind of think that a little bit. Like we're incapacitated based on our knowledge. And what Paul is saying is my ministry was revealed to me and ministry is revealed to us today. You don't have to create content. The content has been created for you, which means you are able to minister to other people's lives. You are able to help other people follow Jesus. You're able to serve other people. You're able to encourage other people. You're able to walk with other people. You're able to do all sorts of things with the content that's already been given to you. This is what the Bible says about itself. The Bible says about itself that it is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in all righteousness so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work, meaning that you can use and know the Bible to help do most things in life. Obviously, you don't read the Bible to fix your car, okay? I'm not saying that. But in the ministry that God is calling you to, you can not have to invent things. You don't have to be burdened about all the things you don't know. I've heard other people say, you can keep the main thing, the plain thing. Isn't that cool? You can keep the main thing, the plain thing. Like God's, the, the message of who Jesus is, the message of the gospel, the message of, uh, that we experience in God's word. If we keep the main thing that we're doing, the plain thing, instead of trying to figure out so many other things and be expert on so many other things, it actually encourages us because it means that I have everything I need, that the Bible, that Scripture is sufficient for the ministry that he has given to me, that he has called me to. God speaks, we listen, and we can give that to other people. Paul was able to stay encouraged in his ministry in part because he knew, I don't have to invent anything, God's given it to me. I'm not trying to kind of come up with my own truth and my own content, God's given it to me. I'm just delivering what's been revealed to me. You can do the same thing. You can have an authority to stand on. You can have a strength to stand on because you know it's not your own thing, but it's God's thing. It gives you a focus. It gives you a courage. And then Paul says that ministry has a goal. He was able to stay encouraged because he knew what the goal was, and the goal was worthwhile. Paul says, I mentioned this already, but he says that the, the, the message that was revealed to him was that the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus. And then later, talking about the same thing, he says, he's, this grace was given to me to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about this mystery. So Paul has a specific goal in mind of what he's working towards. And if you don't have a goal, it's hard to endure in anything, right? If you don't have a destination, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know what it's all for, if you don't know, man, is this worth it? Paul knew what the goal was. And so he's able to continue. He's able to keep going. Paul says that he is bringing a message that the Gentiles are now co-heirs meaning they get to experience all the blessings of God as his children of what they inherit. He, he is he's coming to people and saying, you get to be God's child and inherit all that is his. 
So that's a valuable goal that he knows. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm bringing people into that. I'm bringing them into experience that they are members of the same body. That, that has a lot of different parts to it. But one of the things that it has is Paul knew he was inviting people in and bringing people into community to say, I, I get to bring you a message. I have a goal in mind that you are being connected to a body, that you're being connected to a community. I'm, I am working and giving you community. I am working and giving you a partnership in the promise in Christ Jesus. All the things that God promises to us. Paul's saying, I'm working so you get to experience and know those promises. And then shorthand, to just say the incalculable riches of Christ. Paul's saying, I, I am working so that you get to receive all the wealth that is in knowing Jesus. So I don't know, some of you, maybe you can think about your life before you were a Christian or maybe before you were part of a church. So yeah, I didn't have community. I didn't have the kind of community that I have now. People that loved me and served me and were there for me. We had people in our church that throughout the, throughout the almost decade of our church, we've seen people come together and rally around people, give thousands of dollars to needs that people have within our community. I've seen people pour out their time and their energy to remodel houses and help people move and seen people fill up whole months of meals when people are suffering or having children or, or, and sometimes those go together or, or all the different things, right? When you're, when you're delivering a baby, they go together, right? <clears throat> so all of these different things I've seen of people have community and go, man, that's, that's part of being a member of the body. That's why, by the way, we value, Dion talks about this in the announcements, we value membership so much. Don't want you to just be on the outside going, hmm, I wonder, is there anything else besides meeting on a Sunday? There's so much more. And it happens as you move towards membership to actually be a part of a family. Paul says, I know what the goal is. I know what I'm working towards. I want people to experience being members of the body. I want them to know the incalculable riches of Christ. If you can think about maybe before you were a Christian or before you learned and grew in your faith and there's things about Jesus, there's things about who he is, there's things about his forgiveness, there's things about his grace, there's things about the freedom that he brings into your life, there's things about him being a refuge in times of trouble and sorrow, there's things about the comfort of the Holy Spirit that you didn't know, you didn't live, you didn't experience. Paul says there is incalculable riches in Christ. And so I know that what I'm doing is worth it. Listen, the same thing is true for whatever ministry that you are engaged in. You have to know the goal, and these are the goals. If you are parenting your kids, you want them to experience this. If you are walking with friends in community, this is what the goal is, is for them to experience this. If you are serving in the church, and, and it's hard, and show up early if you're on production or setup, or you stay late if you're on teardown, or if you're giving time and enter, this is the goal. If you're being financially generous and it's hard, and you look at your things that you could buy, this is the goal. This is what's being created. Paul knew what the goal was. So he's able to stay encouraged because he knows this is worth it. Helping people experience community, helping experience the incalculable riches of Christ, helping to shed light, which means we live in darkness and don't know the truth. And what an awful way to live. 
Paul says, this is all worth it. I know what the goal is. So I'm able to stay encouraged because I know what I'm fighting for. I know what I'm fighting for. This helps us to stay encouraged because we don't believe, one, it gives us a purpose and something that we're aiming for, but also because sometimes in ministry, we might think that we're actually hurting people in some way. Like, uh, you know, I'm a pastor, so sometimes I stand up here and say, hey, you should, you should give financially. Now, if I don't understand that this goal is really valuable, then I might, I might think, oh, I'm kind of asking you to sacrifice. I'm asking you, I'm kind of harming you in some way. Or asking people to serve. If I say, hey, we need people to serve. I might feel, man, I'm burdening them. I'm giving them something challenging to do. I'm doing something. I'm putting something difficult on them, something hard on them. That's not true. But if we view that way, we can actually keep ourselves from doing the ministry that God has. Instead of knowing the goal is worth it. I'm, I'm fighting for people to experience incalculable riches in Christ. When you step into a difficult conversation with someone, if you're trying to help them follow Jesus, you're, you're not hurting them. You're fighting for them to experience incalculable riches in Christ. If you, if you take the time and the energy to sit down and work with your kids to help them know Jesus, whether they're 2 or 20, and you, man, this is hard. They don't really want to do this. They're screaming. They're crying. You're, you're not hurting them. You're fighting for them to experience incalculable riches in Christ. You're working for people's good. And if you know the goal, that keeps you going. It helps you to do the things that God has called you to do because you know that you're actually working for people's ultimate good. Seventh, Paul tells us that ministry is bigger than we think. It's bigger than we think. Here's how he says it. He says all this that he was doing is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. The rulers and authorities is spiritual beings, angels, demons. And he's saying that what I'm doing, what I'm working towards is making it so a new kind of church, a new kind of people, a new kind of community that live in all these things that are united, that are members together, that are receiving his promises, that know the incalculable riches. When that happens in this church, when people come together, when they're united, when all that happens, God's wisdom shines from that church. People are able to look at the church and go, wow, God is wise. And not just people, angels and demons actually look at the church and go, God is wise. Everything that's going on here, God is wise. I see something of God's wisdom. I am able to know more who God is by looking at a church, experiencing all these things that Paul is working in his ministry towards. Now, here's what that means. That, that's very specific to what God does in and through the church. But what it also means for us, even outside of the church, is Oftentimes, we think of the ministry that we are doing as small. Somebody asks you to pray for them. Okay, you pray for them. Big whoop. Somebody asks you to, you know, they share kind of a problem with you, have a conversation. Maybe you try to encourage them with something from God's word. Eh, big whoop. Kind of doesn't feel like that big of a deal. You're serving on Sunday. You set up some chairs. Help clean up some stuff. Eh, another Sunday, big whoop. Kind of doesn't feel like that big of a deal a lot of times the things that we do. Can feel very small, can feel very basic, can feel very mundane. 
all the different things. A conversation, our parenting, another Bible verse, another prayer, another discipline, another, another encouraging text. All these things can kind of feel like, eh, okay, make a meal for someone, help someone in need. It can all kind of feel like it doesn't actually matter that much, which then means we can be cynical. Nothing matters. We can want something bigger and more exciting. Like, this is too basic. I need something big. I need to do something that gets, you know, I can send out a press release for. Something I can at least post on Instagram. No one, no one, if you travel somewhere else, if you travel to another country and you dig a well, you're going to post that on Instagram. I don't think anyone posted on Instagram, I'm setting up coffee cups today. Look at this. I don't think anyone did that. Doesn't feel exciting. Sending a text right now that I'm encouraging someone. No one's doing that. But we do that with things that we feel are big and exciting. So if we don't understand that ministry is actually bigger than we think it is, then oftentimes we're going to look for something bigger, something more exciting, something better, something that gets noticed. Or we'll just be cynical, feeling like things don't matter, and then not engage in them and not do them. Paul says here, there's always more going on than you think. Did it look like when Paul is preaching, did it look like when Paul was bringing together Jews and Gentiles, did it look like when he's meeting with people and explaining the truth of God's word to them, did it look like angels and demons were going, whoa, God is wise? Didn't look like that. Just looked like a pastor talking to people. It just looked like a guy traveling around in his sandals. It didn't look like Whoa, the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God is being declared to the rulers in the heavens. I mean, it didn't look like that. Paul says, ministry is bigger than you think it is. What you are doing and the accumulative effect of what you are doing has a huge impact. It's very significant. And when we remember that, we can be encouraged that there's always more going on than we see particularly in the church, particularly when we work to love and serve in the church, God's wisdom is seen and shown, but in many of the ways that we minister. This is true. Eighth, he says that ministry comes with access. Ministry comes with access. He says, in him, in Jesus, we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So Paul's getting towards the end. This is kind of the second to last statement that he makes. He's getting towards the end of describing his ministry and the things that have kept him encouraged and why they don't need to be discouraged. And he says that ministry comes with access. I might be in prison, but I have access to God. I might be traveling all around, leaving friends and family and being in new places all the time, but I have access to God. I have access to him, which gives me a boldness and a confidence to keep doing what I'm doing. See, you are in ministry in some way. Where do you need help? Where do you feel maybe fearful? Where do you feel a lack of confidence, a lack of strength? Paul says, you're not alone, and in him you have boldness and access This is the same thing Jesus tells the disciples before he leaves. He says, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. That's a big mission. Go everywhere, take people that don't know me and don't love me, and baptize them into my name and teach them to obey me. That's a big call. And then Jesus ends it with, and I'm with you always. How long, Jesus? To the end of the age. Oh, that means now, by the way. So that's still true for us. And this is some of the truth that Paul's leaning into, is in Jesus, the ministry that I do, I have confidence, I have boldness, because I have access. So whatever you're doing, whatever ministry you're in, I know, I've been doing this for a while. About half my life, I've been in vocational ministry. It can be hard, and we can feel like this is difficult. I'm a parent. I know. It can feel like this is beyond me. This is difficult. I'm a friend. I know. It can be hard to encourage people and walk with people. And it it can be like, man, this is beyond me. This is more than me. He says, you're not by yourself. You have access to him. You have boldness and confidence in him. If you try to do it by yourself, it'll be a lot harder than to remember I'm with him and I have access to him. I can talk to him. I don't have to do this by myself. And then the final piece is he says, ministry changes our suffering. Ministry changes our suffering. At the end, at the beginning, he says he's the prisoner of Christ. He starts with suffering. And a lot of commentators think this is all kind of a, a, like a, and it's a side note. This whole passage is a side note. Because Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, And then he never tells us for this reason what he was going to do. And then it's in the next section, next Sunday, where he says again, for this reason, and then goes into what he was actually going to say. But what a lot of commentators think is that when Paul started with, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, he starts to think, "Uh, as I said, I'm a prisoner. People are probably going to be discouraged. They're probably, oh, Paul, he's in prison. Oh, his ministry, it's so sad. And that's why he ends with, so all of that, I ask you, don't be discouraged over my afflictions. They're your glory. And so Paul ends with giving us this really powerful piece, which is he is a prisoner, but don't be discouraged over my afflictions. They're actually for your glory. Here's what this means. Your suffering can be incredibly useful in your life. Ministry changes our suffering. A lot of times, the deeper that you step into any kind of ministry, the more suffering you will experience in your life. And I don't necessarily mean because of the ministry, although sometimes that happens, that happened with Paul. But if God wants to shape you and equip you to be able to minister, to love, to serve other people, one of the most useful tools for that is your own suffering that you go through. Because then you meet God in the middle of that. You know who God is in the middle of that. You know how to get through it. You know who God is in the middle of suffering and are able to give that to other people. Which is why ministry changes suffering. Because it means all the suffering that you have experienced, are experiencing, will experience, if you are serving and ministering to other people, those are, the, those are God putting tools in your tool belt. And I'm not saying that in any callous way that if you're suffering right now, hey, who cares? That's just a hammer. That's just another good wrench. I'm not, you can be sad. 
You can feel like, man, this is painful. This is hard. This, is, this hurts. You can feel that. But still, God is using it. He's equipping you. Paul says, don't be discouraged over my afflictions. These are actually useful for your glory. Ministry changes suffering. The more that you suffer, the more you will be able to minister. So ministry changes suffering because ministry needs suffering. And so it means that any suffering that you walk through, any suffering that you have experienced helps you to help other people. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 2 when he says that we are able to comfort other people in their suffering because we have been comforted by God in our suffering. So he says, I've walked through painful stuff and God's comforted me, which means now when other people are suffering, I can comfort them with the same comfort that I received. Ministry changes your suffering. So where are you suffering? Where is life hard? Where has life been hard? You don't have to say it's good. You don't have to say, man, I'm so glad that happened to me. But you can know and believe none of it is wasted. None of it is unuseful. Every sorrow, every hurt, every pain, every relational betrayal, every physical affliction, any suffering you've walked through, God says, I can use that for you to actually step into ministering to other people. It's not wasted. So what do we need to know to stay encouraged in our ministry? These nine things. We're all called in a variety of ways to ministry. It might be in the church. It might be parenting. It might be in ways in the world, out there, all, all sorts of different things. And it's easy to get discouraged, to quit, to not start at all. How do you stay encouraged? Paul was physically, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, everything you can imagine, attacked, hurt, abandoned. The list went on and on and on and on and on. And he stayed encouraged. He stayed focused. He stayed faithful. He endured for a lifetime. He was joyful. He didn't endure for a lifetime just under a heavy load. He, he was joyful. He was able to stay encouraged. And you can too. Whether that's in the church, whether it's in your relationships, you are in, if you're a Christian, you are in or called to be in ministry. And you can do it with joy and endurance, and faithfulness, and confidence, and strength. You can do that for a lifetime, like Paul did. Because you have what Paul had. You have the Holy Spirit, and you have the same Jesus that Paul had. See, even when we look at the picture, even when we look at this picture of all the things that we need to know to stay encouraged in ministry, each of those are true in Paul's life as an example, but they're also true in Jesus' life. It's the same thing shining forth from Jesus that obviously Jesus knew that ministry was death to self and he was willing to do that for you and I. That's what we remember. We're about to take communion in a moment. If you're a Christian, communion is a time that we remember Jesus' body broken for us. We remember his blood shed for us. In our place for our sins, Jesus came to this earth and knew ministry is death to self. And I'm doing that for you. That's what we're remembering. Man, Jesus engaged in a life of ministry that was death for me. When we look at Jesus, we see that his ministry was for other people. He wasn't here to just try to, he, to in some 
wrong way, get people to just be happy with him. He was doing it for our sake, giving his life for us. We see that Jesus knew even that ministry was a gift. It says he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, the joy of bringing us into his family, the joy of us and us being the prize that would glorify God and show us God's grace and show the world God's grace. Jesus endured his ministry joyfully, knowing, man, this is a privilege that I get to do this. Jesus was not undeserved in his ministry. It's not that he didn't deserve the ministry he had, but he showed humility. He showed what a life of humility looks like in his ministry, emptying himself on our behalf. Jesus knew what the goal was in his ministry, and he kept it before him. So often in the Gospels, people are trying to distract Jesus, get him to do this, get him to do this, and he says, has his face set. He knew what he was here for, and he kept the focus. And what he was here for was the same goal Paul had. It was to show us the incalculable riches to build a family, to build a community. Jesus knew that ministry was bigger than oftentimes it looks. People looked at Jesus' life and thought, there it is. It's, it's over. It's done. Didn't work. But so much more was happening on the cross than people could even imagine. And Jesus gives us access to God, and Jesus' suffering was the ultimately useful suffering that brought us into God's family. It's by his stripes that we are healed. It's by his suffering, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we are brought to God. So you want to stay encouraged in ministry? Look at, look at Paul's life and see what kept him encouraged, but also look how that's a reflection of how Jesus endured in his ministry towards you and I. So as you take communion, remember this. Confess where you need to confess. If there's areas where you feel like you have not engaged in ministry, confess the inactivity. If there's areas that you have engaged in ministry but with the wrong perspective, confess those things. And as you take communion, thank Jesus for his ministry to us. Remind yourself of his ministry. If you've got your build notebook, I know I gave you a lot of stuff, and there's nine different things to, to remember, and I know most of you memorized all those already, but uh, if not, just take a couple of those things that maybe God really spoke to you and go, which of those do you most need right now to remember as you're ministering in various ways? Write those down, and, and then just seek to pray and focus on those throughout this week. I'll pray for us, then we can respond in singing, and uh, I'll be in the back if anyone would like prayer for anything going on in their life. Father, I thank you for the grace that you give to us in Jesus. I thank you that your ministry, Jesus, was one that poured yourself out for us with joy and endurance and humility and faithfulness. And that we are the recipients and the beneficiaries of your ministry. Help us to see that picture and to endure with faithfulness and encouragement in what you've given to us. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.